Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. From Vermont Public, this is Brave Little State. I'm Josh Crane. And I'm Myra Flynn. Hi, welcome. Come on in. So Hello. nice to meet you. You as well. I'm Myra. 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 Hi, Myra. Oh, yes. oh <laughs> did you just get up from a nap? She did. She was practicing. She was like, hi, Myra. <laughs> this is Sweeney Graben, and today she's let me into her home in South Burlington to hang out with her and her two-year-old daughter, Maya. Yeah, welcome. This is... Yeah, our humble boat. It's beautiful. This is the playroom, which is where the magic happens for Maya. This is a giraffe. A giraffe? Sweeney grew up in New York City, and she and her family lived in Portland, Oregon recently before moving to Vermont a little over a year ago. I feel like I've kind of gone from like big city to like smaller city to small town, so it's been quite an adjustment for me. I actually met Sweeney once before. It was back in the summer of 2022, right after she moved to Vermont. I just reported an episode of Brave Little State about how people who moved to Vermont during the pandemic were doing. And then we threw a party for Vermont newcomers, just in case, you know, anyone was feeling in need of a little friendship and connection. We called it a New Vermonter Mixer. Sweeney was there, along with her husband, David, and her little girl, Maya. At the time, they were looking for exactly the connection we were offering, except... For Sweeney, the whole thing still felt a little lonely. Even while I was at the mixer, I just kind of felt out of place. Not because anybody was making me feel out of place, but because I think I had these experiences that I didn't realize were so unique in a way, right? Like growing up in New York City, it's this whatever you want to call it, mixing bowl, um, melting pot. and, And then being in Vermont... I was just like, whoa, like, you can just, like, pick out all the people that are not white. For context, Sweeney is Indian with roots in Punjab, and she is first-generation American. Her husband, David, is Jewish and white, and their daughter, Maya, is a super cute result of this love. And so when our team went around at the mixer asking people what questions they had about Vermont, all of this was top of mind. Okay, how do we maintain our heritage raising a mixed-race baby in a predominantly white state. It's a phenomenally nuanced question. How do you maintain your heritage raising a mixed-race baby in a place like Vermont? Also, race, heritage, what do these words really mean? We'll explore that more deeply in short order, but for now, you can already hear how interconnected they are in Sweeney's curiosity. A curiosity born out of love and concern for her daughter, Maya. I, I, I don't know if you can relate to this, Maya, being a mom, but often I view things from the lens of, like, how will this be for my daughter? Um, and is she going to feel, have these feelings that I'm having? And she's not obviously Indian, like I am, right, being mixed race. I don't think she looks white, necessarily, but I don't think she looks Indian. It's ambiguous, and... I wonder how she'll identify in those spaces. I never want her to feel uncomfortable in her own skin. But Sweeney doesn't want comfort to come at the expense of her culture, either. I'm just in this place right now that I'm just trying to figure out 
how to keep my identity and pass it on to my daughter mm-hmm. and make her feel like really rooted. Yes, I'm Indian. Yes, I'm Jewish. Yes, I'm American. I'm all of those things. I'm not half or a third of anything, you know. Sweeney ended up in Vermont because of a reason many of us love it here, the nature. Her husband David went to a summer camp in Vermont as a kid, and when it came time to decide on an idyllic place to live, Vermont made the cut. And while both agree that it is indeed a beautiful place to live, in this very white state, David and Sweeney are not exactly having the same experience. Do you worry about Maya at all in these same ways that Sweeney does? I do. Um... You know, my family also immigrated here, but, you know, much farther back than Sweeney's. And um, I think we've kind of, like, accepted assimilation. Um, you know, I almost see it just as inevitable. I, I, to me, Judaism is more of, like, a cultural thing than religious. Um, I think for Sweeney, when we first, when we first moved here... I feel like we were more on the same page, but now that Maya's getting older, our priorities have changed and it's become more important to us to hold on to our our culture. And I do wonder what it'll be like for her growing up, you know, looking different and, and ha- coming from a different background, what that'll be like. I, don't, I guess I'm not as worried about it, honestly. I think if she identifies as a Vermonter, you know, that's, that's great. Um, I think she'll still recognize that she's a little different, but if she assimilates more, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more okay with it than Sweeney, potentially. I don't want to speak for her, but I'm okay with it, I should say. Yes, I know. Well, we've had this conversation, sorry to jump in, which is part of what I mentioned before when I said it was a challenging conversation. Because when you say that to me, that you're okay with it, I just fight back so hard to that. Why? Right? I mean, yes, to a degree, assimilation is inevitable. And I don't... I would just say integration of all of her identities, right? Being American. And... I don't like this one. Oh, you don't like the papaya? I really feel like what you grew up with is so unique to be in a, in a situation where, I mean, you could really like go all day speaking Hindi or even Punjabi and, and, it, and you go about your life that way. Like, of course. Um, but but I, I really would like to live in a place that's more rural and small town closer to nature. And there's kind of a trade-off, you know, it's to, to live with that much diversity, you pretty much Daddy have to be in one of a few Daddy major metropolitan go, areas. I'm concerned how that will impact her. You know, my husband and I have these conversations, like, it's wonderful here, it's beautiful, the access to nature is unparalleled, the education is great. Um, but I ask him, you know, is that enough? If, if she feels really out of place, will she? We're in the midst of this conversation, clearly. (laughs) Brave Little State is Vermont Public's listener-powered journalism show. Each episode starts with a question about Vermont that's been asked and voted on by you, our audience. Today, a question about how folks in Vermont are keeping in touch with who they are. I don't know if I necessarily, like, identify as, like, biracial even. Just because, I mean, you know my mom. She's definitely, like, a mix. Where they're from. So I grew up in what I would call Little India in my household. And how heritage may or may not shape the identity of their children in a place like Vermont. 
end because when you take care of yourself and you follow your heart, that reflects, that illuminates. So you don't have to explain things, you just leave them. This episode also marks the brief return of reporter Myra Flynn to the brave little state fold. Myra is an expert at digging into the wonderfully messy and intimate world of race and identity. Topics she's exploring regularly as the host of another Vermont public show, Homegoings, and which she's also explored over the years for Brave Little State. So welcome to Brave Little State, and welcome back, Myra. We're a proud member of the NPR Network. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Full disclosure, I was kind of hoping Sweeney's question would win our voting round because, as you'll hear more about later, I, myself, am a biracial person who grew up in Vermont longing for more access to my heritage. It felt like Sweeney was asking this for me. And it's a complex question because for some of us, race and heritage, those don't occupy the same space. Race is a human-invented classification system used to define physical differences or similarities between people. And for the most part it does, but as you can hear in Sweeney's case, race isn't exactly that neat in reality. And I mean, people throughout history have used race to hurt and oppress others. The word heritage implies inheritance. It could be something that belongs to you simply by being born, or something that is handed down from the past, like that yummy food your grandmother taught you how to cook, or the candles you light at Kwanzaa. There are other words that make the identity vocabulary list, like culture or multicultured, ethnicity, or one of my favorite obtuse phrases I've ever heard used, your background. We could be here all day, but the point is, especially in 2023, these words can no longer be assumed to live together. I can look black and have my traditions passed down from a white Polish grandparent. I can present white and have ethnic roots in Asia. I brought some of this up to Sweeney in hopes of understanding her question a bit better. How much does race come into play with this for you, with your question? And I mean, it sounds like essentially heritage really matters. A question of maintaining heritage. I feel like I wouldn't ask that question or I wouldn't feel so strongly about it if I lived in New York City where you go to a grocery store, you go to the library, you walk down the street, you see other people that look like you. It is coming up much more frequently for me in Vermont. And Mommy, to take off the cat. You know, sometimes I do get Mommy, take off the cat. looks, which I've been trying to parse through. Is that just because I look different? And, and I, I don't know that it's race motivated. I don't really know the answer. I can't just stop somebody and be like, why are you staring at me? <laughs> so for Sweeney, race and heritage feel really linked at least since moving to Vermont. And this brings me to an important point of clarification in response to her original question. When it comes to your heritage, what are you working to maintain? 
A reminder that Sweeney grew up in New York City, a stark contrast in diversity to Vermont, which is more than 90% white. So I grew up in what I would call Little India in my household, and uh, outside of it, it wasn't, but in my house, I very much felt like I was growing up in India. So I grew up in a household where Punjabi was my first language, actually, and then I would watch Hindi, Hindi shows, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom for the first 10 years of our life. Like, I had two different lives, in a sense. My American life at school, and then my very Indian life at home where I listened to Indian music and I watched Indian shows. I didn't even know what the Backstreet Boys was. <laughs> um, You're not missing much. Yeah. So there you have it. Sweeney went from growing up in, quote, little India to raising her daughter in the second whitest state in the union. I mean, that has got to be a shock to the system. In fact, Indian people represent just 0.35% of the Vermont population, according to census data. The majority of that population lives where Sweeney lives, in Chittenden County. But still, as Sweeney points out, there isn't even a Hindu temple nearby. You know, there isn't even a mandir here. And that, I'm not religious, but for some reason that really hit home with me that there isn't a place for us. Before I met with Sweeney, she emailed me letting me know what she does do to keep some of her more sacred Indian traditions alive and well in her home. She told me that she makes sure there are inclusive books available at home, and that she cooks traditional food, sometimes traveling all the way to Montreal for spices. And there's no mistaking who those efforts are for in real time. Should we go over, Maya? Do you, wanna, do you want to go grind some spices in the mortar and pestle? Yeah, let's go. She can grind some chai spices with us. But in Sweeney's email, there was this line that kind of blew the lens of this question open even wider for me. She said, quote, In the process of figuring out what would make my daughter feel at home in her skin, sometimes I wonder, is it really more about me? I think for my daughter, it would, it would help her to see her mother being really rooted what? in who she is and, and feeling... Whoa. Like she does have a place with her heritage and her culture and it's understood. And I think it'll, she'll just be confused if I don't pass that on to her. I think she'll get that message from somewhere else, right? If she doesn't get it from me. And I think I would prefer to be the one giving voice to it and helping her understand that part of her identity rather than her receiving it elsewhere. And it is a lot about you. This is Mariana Lemaison Sears of Essex Junction. She's originally from Argentina, and by originally, I mean her heritage, racial makeup, and ethnic background. She and her family have all returned to Vermont semi recently after a five year stint back in Argentina. Because when you take care of yourself and you follow your heart, that reflects, that illuminates. So you don't have to explain things, you just leave them, and they. They see a mom excited, they see a mom happy, they see a mom enthusiastic about something, and they just gravitate around that, and they dance around that, and they love it. <laughs> so, and they do appreciate it. Mariana and I actually used to work together as reporters at the Burlington Free Press. That was a long time ago. And I wanted to get her help answering Sweeney's question. I love chatting with fellow journalists. We tend to give you the same things we ask you for. Our hearts, and on a good day, our expertise. 
And I'll tell you one thing Mariana is a total expert in, her family. She and her husband have four kids and are having a multicultural experience of their own. Her husband is not Argentinian. And is your husband either culturally or ethnically or racially considered white, Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon or something else? I think he considers himself Anglo-white. Yeah. Yeah. I call him gringo. (laughs) What a pet name. (laughs) With all my love. So your children then, do they sense like the two cultural worlds that they come from? Oh, yes, they totally do. Um, They make fun of each other because we both speak both languages. I speak English and my husband speaks Spanish. So the kids make fun of all of us um, when we make mistakes. And, you know, they can navigate both worlds um, like if they are native to both. And and they are in a way. Um, They feel very interested in, in both cultural aspects. Was it the same in Argentina? Yes. Mm. They're the same. Yes. They were they were called Yankees. And they were like, what? What, what does that even mean? I'm not from New York. <laughs> this on-purpose chaos you're hearing is at Mariana's home. I've been invited to dinner because one of the ways Mariana and her family keep their Argentinian heritage alive has been what she calls Friday dinners with her friends from Uruguay. She says that Uruguayans are regional siblings to Argentinians as they both relate to El Rio de la Plata, a river that forms part of the border between the two countries. She calls these dinners a real culture grounder for her family and her friends, Ursula Georgiglou and Juan Pablo Alvin. Yeah, we all gather since the pandemic, you know, we... They were living across the street from us, and now they live live a few blocks away. But every Friday, we establish a tradition to have dinner together. Yeah, we named we kind of gave a name to this space accidentally, but it Mm -hmm. it just now is like Friday dinner night. Just a thing to look forward to at the end of the week. Yeah, that's true. We all look forward to this moment on Fridays. I brought up Sweeney's question to the group, and in addition to joining for Friday dinners. Everyone has a different ingredient to throw into the stew of heritage maintenance. There are the non-negotiables, like language. It was very important to have a playgroup in Spanish, uh, where we used to read books in Spanish and tell stories. And There are the adjustments you sometimes have to make. Right, for example, the salutation is... In Latin America, it's much more warmer physically. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or a hug and a kiss. Yeah. Here is like. You maintain that distance, a little Hi. bit of formality and distance. And there are priorities. Like sometimes you got to get out of Vermont. This is something Mariana mentioned during our one-on-one interview. We try to travel. We try to visit as much as possible. You really have to put intention around that because as the kids grow, you can't just drag them around like when they are two. And you said, OK, we're going to go visit grandma and we're going to take an 11-hour plane ride. When they are two, they, you know, you may get away with it with, with a pacifier. <laughs> but when they are teenagers, they really need to love what they what they are going to engage with. And that is something that you you bring them about just by sharing your passion. Básicamente lo que dije es eh, que me parece que lo más importante para preservar tu acervo cultural es que tú 
Sigas tu corazón. Basically, everything else will come in place once you do that. All the support that you need, all these structures, all the, you know, the material things, anything will come in place naturally if you do that, if you follow your heart. Coming up, question asker Sweeney turns the mic around on Myra. I wonder if you feel that way when people have, ask you that question. I you have, know? But, um, but I got older and I know exactly who I am. We'll be right back. I mentioned earlier in the episode that this question Sweeney asked Brave Little State about how to maintain your heritage with a mixed-race baby in a state like Vermont, it speaks to me personally because I am biracial and was raised in Vermont, and I have a daughter who I guess is also biracial because my husband is biracial, so we've really doubled down on the rainbow coalition in my household. But one new thing Sweeney's question really brought up for me is the idea that heritage and race could be synonymous. What a lovely idea. Sweeney is first-generation American, so her heritage and culture and the knowing of where she's from is close enough for her to touch. It's just a parent away. But this hasn't always been the case for me, and I wonder sometimes if that's because my heritage, as a Black woman, has been systematically erased. And what's been left of it, though recently celebrated more and more, Black Americans have been taught is a wound, a shame. I mean, there are massive movements right now to have Black heritage and history erased from schools. So how do you maintain something you've never been taught to own? I brought this conundrum to Sweeney. You know, this is the first time I've even thought about it differently, to be honest with you. It makes me want to cry. (laughs) You can cry. I'm sorry. That's awful. It's such a great question for me, for me personally, too, like a healing one for that reason, to just want to listen to, like, people who have a very, um, (laughs) a very, a, a heritage that's very sacred to them and could be synonymous with race. And then there's just this ever-fickle social construct of race, which as a Black American feels more like an inevitable thing to own than heritage. Because it has a lot to do with the way you look, and more often than not, can't escape. All the biracial folks in my family, including me, we ain't passing for white. You feel me? And on top of contending with race, being biracial, a term I've bucked for years and basically sugared down to a technicality because, let's be honest, who's splitting hairs with my bloodline at the airport or grocery store? I sometimes wonder if Black Americans, whose background, migration journey, and experience often has so little in common with other Americans, or frankly, Africans, I wonder if we should be deemed our own independent ethnicity instead of forever snuggling us up to whiteness and having, quartering, or one-dropping our proximity to it. I would say, I don't know if I necessarily like identify as like biracial even, just because, I mean, you know my mom? She's definitely like a mix. This is Mateo Baker. He lives in Burlington. And though I don't totally recognize this grown man I'm speaking with on Zoom, I do remember when he was in his mama's belly. His mom and I went to college together, also a long time ago. Mateo's family is racial, ethnic, and multicultural goals. She's mixed with white, black, Mexican, and Native American, I believe. It's interesting because my dad is African. He's from Benin. My stepmom is a PETA, 
Um, my brother, my stepbrother is white. Mateo, or Tay, as his family lovingly calls him, is currently growing up in Vermont. He's 16 now, an age where your friend group might be formed, freedom to choose where you want to live is close on the horizon, and your identity, who you are, and how you walk in this world, can often be top of mind. I asked Tay how he's been navigating all of these things at once in a state like Vermont. Spoiler alert, or maybe good news for Sweeney. Tay says who he is is who he's been raised to be. It starts with mom and grows from there. Like, I remember for my hair, my mom would always go to, like, go to, like, the hair store, and we just pick our products and see what worked for me. Oh, yeah, I have a very um, wide mix of curls in my head. My mom always used to make sure that, like, we talked about it. And I'd say definitely, like, the books I read when I was younger, the music I listened to, like, children are influenced by their parents' culture how their parents are. What are some of the things that you love about growing up in Vermont? Because I, you know, I'm somebody who longs for a lot of things, but I'm still really grateful for being raised there. Are there some things that feel good to you? Well, personally, I love creamies. I love a good maple creamy. Um, I feel like you can't get a creamy outside of Vermont. I've gone, it's soft serve. It's not a creamy. It's not. I love maple syrup from Vermont. And I feel like I'll definitely bring that with me wherever I go. I'm going to bring a big jug of maple syrup. And I don't know, I also like the community. Like, my friend group is like all BIPOC kids. And I'm really appreciative for that. As I still am growing up in this moment, I'm very grateful to kind of have like that affinity space with them. I'm going into college soon. And yeah, I would love to see people. I want to move to a place where, you know, I see more people that look like me. But at the end of the day, I'm still like grateful for the connections. And I still, you know, look for people that look like me here. Sweeney, at this point, we've talked to some people. We've heard about how they dinner, travel, community and family. But you also asked me about my experience and what I've done to make Vermont work for me. I just don't want her to feel like she's not enough in any of those spaces. I wonder if you feel that way when people have, ask you that yeah, question. I you have, know? But, um, but I got older and I know exactly who I am. That's beautiful. And exactly how I identify, and she will too. You know? but, um, but at this age, when you're a mom, yeah, I have the same feelings about my daughter. So, Sweeney, I'm talking to you now. It's time. Since you've asked, I'll take a crack at answering your question from my life experience and point of view. How do you maintain your heritage, raising a mixed-race baby in a predominantly white state? A couple thoughts come to mind. One is some days you don't. Some days you're just human the very best you can. You mother the very best you can. And you take some time off from the anxious action and activism a place like Vermont can often force us into even in our own homes. Your heritage isn't going anywhere. This is who you are. You couldn't truly lose it if you tried. And there will be inherent wisdom for Maya simply in the way that you smell, the way you laugh, the things you can't totally control because you are already teaching her about who she is by being you. And yes, Sweeney, to answer the question in your email, this is about you. 
That's why you also have to take good care of you. If you were in India or New York, or if I'm honest with you, where I've chosen to live half the year, Los Angeles, who would you be? What would you talk about? What would you worry about? I mean, here in LA, for me, self-preservation is not always top of mind. And this freedom of it all is a choice I've made at the expense of a lot of things I truly love and miss about Vermont. My friends and I, we don't usually talk about race. We don't constantly cook one another soul food. We don't fight to be seen and heard all the time. Can you bring that ease, that inherent right to just be joyous, interesting, intelligent, quirky, and a compassionate person first? Can you bring that to Vermont? Can it follow you here from New York or little India? And even if your race is not represented, can your heritage somehow find a home? Also, not that you have to, but can you, with ease, be the change you want to see? And a final thought of mine is, the more time I spend with your question, I think what you're asking is what most first-time moms want to know with a two-year-old, which is, am I doing the right things? Am I dropping the ball anywhere? Will I ever really be able to give her everything she needs? Sweeney Maya is just so lucky. She's two. And despite the challenges Vermont presents, you are already wrangling her ancestors for her. What a fantastic gift. And I'm going to tell you something I wish someone had told me with a two-year-old, no matter where I was, no matter what the worry was, or what we were grappling with as a family. You are doing an awesome job, Mama. Maya has everything she needs. And I don't have to tell you that. Just ask her. I know I did. Should we ask Maya? Maya, are you Indian? Yeah. Are you Jewish? Yes. <laughs> what else are you? I'm an American too. Wow! I think it's. I think your question is answered. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. And thanks to Sweeney Graben for attending our new Vermonter Mixer back in 2022 and asking a great question. If you have an idea for a future Brave Little State event or any other ideas for the show, shoot us an email, hello at bravelittlestate.org. Or you can also leave us a voicemail on the BLS hotline. That's 802-552-4880. And if you have a question about Vermont, our region, or its people that you want us to answer in a future episode, there's a submission form on our website, bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can also sign up for our newsletter to learn more about what goes into making each one of these episodes. And to stay up to date on everything that's happening in the Brave Little State universe. There are so many good things in store in the future. This episode was reported by Myra Flynn, who is also the host and executive producer of Homegoings, another podcast from Vermont Public. The Brave Little State team is Sabine Pooks and me, Josh Crane. Digital support from Sophie Stevens. Our executive producer is Angela Evansy. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music. Other music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions, Jay Green, and Myra Flynn. Special thanks to Corey Doxer, Marlon Hyde, and Aaron Baker. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public and a proud member of the NPR Network. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont journalism. 
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.